Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghost, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and it is August 9th, 2023. PK, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. I haven't been outside, so it means I I haven't melted yet. (laughs) (laughs) We may have some rain this afternoon. They keep threatening Uh, us, but all we've gotten is a few dribbles, and that's it yesterday. Nothing today yet. I'm going to send you some of ours because after tomorrow we've got three days in a row of it, and you can have it. So we've had enough this summer. So tell us, what's going on with the numbers? I know you always come up with great insights for us. So what's happening? Well, everyone needs to remember that this month is reviewing last year. So things that you weren't able to take care of, clear the deck with, or need some PLC to get on with it, let's get it done this month. Because if you get things in order, it'll make it a lot easier because come September, it's all about where we have been this year. But this month is about last year's issues, and we've left a lot of things unfinished. We can't help it because of the way things have been going. But if you take a look at things a little bit at a time, you're going to get the big picture. If you want to go on vacation this month because it's the end of the summer, take a look at the numbers that are the best for you and keep thinking about the fact this month reviews last year. When did you have the best time last year? What month was it? Then know that that's going to be somewhat how things are going to go this year because we are, as I said, reviewing it. Next month, different ball game. But for right now, if you can spend time just tidying up what we did not complete last year, you're going to feel like you've won the lottery when you go into next month because you'll have a lot of things out of the way and off the table, and you'll be ready to go forward. And it'll be not only interesting, but I think it's like leaving you a few extra bucks as well. And we're always doing mm. a little of that. Yeah. That's kind of where we are right now. Okay, so it's good to be prepared. Good to let go of old stuff. Good to get organized, all of those things. So, okay, mm-hmm. we've got our work cut out for as we move ahead in this month. That's for sure. What do you see happening, PK? I know the, the political scene is a big mess. What do you see happening from now till the end of the year with that? Oh, I think we're going to have so many pitfalls pop up. Nobody trusts anybody. What's, what's happening right now? It doesn't matter which direction you're looking. There's no, uh, should we say, feel good at what we're looking at. Everybody's kind of 
working on their own personal things, but taking shortcuts, which is going to mean we're going to have some major issues with it. It's important that we get things laid out as best we can because we're really in for uh, some kind of, a, I'll just call it an it storm. How does that sound? Okay. <laughs> well, I know we have your friend Jeff Harmon is going to be joining us next week, and he's an astrologer that's going yeah. to fill us in on the details of all of this. And also this UFO disclosure uh, situation, what's true, what isn't, mm-hmm. and what direction we're being led down now. So uh, we're going to have a lot of material coming at us uh, next week as well. Oh, so definitely. tonight... Yeah, I can't wait to have Jeff on. Uh, he's always got some interesting things to to share. So tonight well, we have a great guest. Yeah, because I what know. I'm looking at doesn't feel very good. I know. Well, hopefully he can help us turn this around a little bit. Oh goodness. Well, tonight we do have a wonderful and positive show. We have an author and expert, Joan Ranquette, is with us tonight. She has a new book called Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals. Now, we have had EFT people on the show before, and so we're very familiar with EFT and the power of it. We've never heard about this being used for our pets. So in just a few moments, I'm going to introduce Joan to all of you, bring her on the show. But first, I want to talk to all of you about something that happened to me and my uh, two-year-old Shih Tzu, Phoenix, who I adore. He is the light of my life, and he was having some issues with eating, and then he was having some UTIs that were not resolving I involved four different veterinarians because I wasn't getting anywhere with what was happening. Now, in my opinion, I know my little guy, there was something wrong because he wasn't eating like a normal dog, all right? So I would try to feed him all kinds of things, and he, I could tell he wanted to eat, but he wouldn't eat, maybe because it was going to upset his stomach or whatever, I knew something was wrong. Well, unfortunately, the vets came back at me and said, this is your fault because you're spoiling him. And what you need to do is put his food down if he doesn't need to pick it up. And I'm like, that's not the answer. There's something wrong. I can feel it. This is not Mm -hmm. a typical I'm going to eat what I want till I get, you know, I'll, I'll make you give give me what I want kind of thing. It wasn't that I could tell. But these vets were just giving me the stuff about it, which I thought was total BS. Then with the UTIs, they were focused on two things. One is, and those of you that have dogs and cats know that there can be oxalate stones, there can be struvite crystals, And when a stone starts to block the urethra, it can be a deadly event. So you have to keep a close eye on them. Well, no matter what I was doing, this was not resolving. It would get better for a little while, then it wasn't getting better, then it would get worse. So I um, I brought Phoenix in for an x-ray. I wanted to see, does he have any stones? Did not show up. Nothing on x-ray is clear. But he wasn't getting better. So as time went on, I was, again, watching him very closely, 
And then about 4.30 in the morning one day, he woke up vomiting huge amounts of blood. I don't, and I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about blood. It was frightening. And here where I am in the Berkshires, there is not any emergency care vets, none. So I remembered a vet that I had worked with a while ago who, thank God, was 20 minutes from me. And I called him early in the morning, and he called me right back and said, you bring him in. So God bless this vet. He saved Phoenix's life. First, he did an entire workup, tremendous amount of tests, x-rays, ultrasounds, blood work, everything. He said, I cannot answer your question as to why he was vomiting blood, but I can tell you that his bladder is full of sludge. We're going to have to clean that out. And now his prostate is awfully large for a little dog, and we should neuter him, which I didn't want to do because they're finding more and more <clears throat> through research that neutering is not such a great idea. So right. anyways, at this point, didn't really have much of a choice. So he said, I'm booked up for two months straight, but I will work him in. You just call the office. So uh, this is over the weekend. So on Monday... Um, I'm watching him, and I see something I never wanted to see, which is he couldn't urinate at all. That meant a blockage. So I called the office. They said, bring him in right away. I brought him in, and he had to have a three-hour surgery because at this point he now had his testicles were swollen and infected. I don't know where the hell that came from. Um, His bladder, it turned out, his bladder was filled with over 50 urate stones, which mm-hmm. nobody ever mentioned to me. Nobody. So urate stones usually occur in only three breeds of dog. One is a Dalmatian. About 90% of Dalmatians have this missing enzyme, so they can't change ammonia into allantoin, and they just keep dumping ammonia into their bladder. It forms these stones. And then there's bulldogs that tend to get this, and there's some type of Russian hound that gets it. Not Shih Tzus. However, I went and did my research, and then I found there's another possible cause for this, a liver shunt, which I won't go into all the details, but let's just say the liver is unable to detoxify like it should, and the ammonia dumps into the bladder, and there you go with the same type of problem. So um, this poor little guy was really suffering and uncomfortable while the vets were blaming me for being an indulgent pet parent. They never considered that he had a problem like this. And I was horrified. Obviously, I'm not a vet. I do have some medical training. I do a lot of medical research. But things are different for dogs and cats. And so I was really at my wit's end and looking to these vets for help, and I didn't get any help until I finally had to take him in for emergency surgery. So I want to tell everybody, everybody that's listening tonight, listen to yourself, because as it turned out, I was right. There was something wrong, and they weren't putting the pieces together 
but now I'm able to put the pieces together. I'm guessing he does have a liver issue, and I'm bringing him back for a couple of blood tests that will confirm that. I also sent in his DNA to see if he had that genetic anomaly that the other three breeds have, just in case. So I'm covering all the bases to make sure that I know where this came from. In the meantime, he has to have a very specific diet of low-protein, low-purines, kind of like a gout diet. If you know anybody who has gout, they have to watch their uric acid levels. So his diet has totally changed. But here's the kicker. I started giving him liver support. Sammy, which is a wonderful supplement. I love that one. Milk thistle. All of a sudden, this dog is eating like a pig. I am so thrilled to see this. Because now, you know, he can finally eat and enjoy what he's eating, and he's eating all healthy things. I feed him all organic. I always did. But now he is, he's got more energy, and he's doing very, very well. I still plan on having a consult with a vet nutritionist um, to make sure that everything I'm giving him is, is right for him. But what a nightmare. And this whole time, I'm bl- being blamed. I was being blamed over and over again that all of this was basically my fault. And it was the diet that I had him on. And they were saying, you know, give him this UD diet from Hill Science or whatever. But you know what? That turned out to be the wrong diet also because that wasn't the right diet for the condition that he had. So I was I was really disgusted and unfortunately as I have shared this story with other people who are pet owners, they have come back and shared with me their own stories and I am very disgusted to hear uh the training. I don't know where these vets are getting trained or I don't know if they just don't care. But there is a definite lack in veterinary care today. So please, everybody, trust yourself. If you feel something's wrong with your pet, it's wrong. And just keep fighting for them until you get the right diagnosis. Without the right diagnosis, you can't get the right treatment. Now, I'm happy to report Phoenix is doing great. Um, We went through some really tough times, but he is doing really well now. So this is a very appropriate guest we have on the show tonight and so i'm very excited to introduce all of you to joan ranquette now here is the thing does your pet also suffer from trapped emotions is there a way to set them free well joan's an expert on all of this and she's going to talk to us about how to tune in and listen to what your pet is going through and how to free them from trauma emotional repression Joan is an animal communicator, an energy healer. She is a TEDx speaker, author, and founder of Communication with All Life University, a certification program for animal communication and energy healing. She lives with her three horses, three dogs, and four cats in beautiful Santa Clarita, California. Joan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here, and I've been trying to figure out what I did last year that didn't get complete, because that was uh, great to hear that new <laughs> neurology. 
good. <laughs> good for you. You'll be on the right track then. So, so yeah, how did I'm you get into it. all of this? How, how did you get into pet communication and all of what you now do? Uh, this is quite a journey you've been on. How did this get started? Well, it all started with a horse. Well, many horses, but um, I, I had um, I grew up with horses. I'm uh, horse. I think was the first word I I said. And um, <laughs> anyway, at about um, 1986, I had a sister. I was I was living in New York City, um, and I had a sister that got sick and died. And in that time, I really got into um, alternative health and energy healing, and everyone thought I was just insane. So um, a couple of years later, probably 1988, I ended up um, really getting uh, into, I got a horse as an adult, and um, uh, I had used an animal communicator, and I thought that was the coolest thing on the planet. And at this point now, I'm living in Los Angeles. And so I used the animal communicator a few times, and I kept asking her, how do you do this? Is this a gift? And she said, no, everyone's doing it. You're doing it all the time. And so Hmm. I um, was, you know, kind of questioned that and was trying to figure out how to do it. And then I had a series of events that kind of my world, I had bred her and I lost her the night of the birth, but she stayed alive <gasps> during, she was, you know, in ICU after a surgery. Oh my goodness. I had to separate her from her baby. And I, you know, I ended up living in the stall with the baby. And I always say that, you know, if you live in a stall for any length of time, you start speaking horse. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I love you. It, yeah. So it was really, it was a tragedy. Eventually I did lose her and, and eventually I even lost um, him at, at three. So it was a, a series of events that just turned me upside down in terms of communicating, energy healing. Some of it kind of scared me and yet I was, you know, I just didn't want to will someone to live against their will. And I've learned a lot about that since, mm-hmm. but, you know, I had to really kind of, um, just kind of get my moral ground with it and what, what was, what was going on. And then as time went on, I, I, I took some classes and I thought, Oh, I'll do this for this other horse that I still have. She's 36 and I've had her for 32 years. And wow. we were, we were having a tough time. And uh, the next thing, you know, I take some classes and I tell a few people and, and that was kind of it. It just took off because there weren't a lot of us back in the early 90s. No, mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. Did you know so, Lydia Hibby? Because she was on the West yeah. Coast at that time. Lydia, yeah. She's the she's one a, that I used. She's the one oh. that uh, was, came to my barn and said, you're doing this. Ah, that Isn't was that Lydia. Funny? That's great. Yes. Oh, I've known Lydia for so many years. She's also a great communicator. How funny. Yeah, Yeah. and she was one of the originals. She learned from, uh, what was her name, Beatrice Lidecker? Beatrice Lidecker, yeah. Yeah, I think she was one of the first. So, yeah, now now we're dating ourselves. (laughs) I know. Uh, Yeah, and then I was right after that. 
Because when, when she came out, I was like, I, I have a degree in theater, and I love the theater and the film business, and I love my life, but that looks better. <laughs> so I took yeah. that route. I mean, that route chose me because I just, there was no turning back. And you went through so much loss, and I'll tell you, I mean, any time that I've lost a pet, it's like somebody ripped my heart right out of my chest. I mean, it is such a painful loss, and here you went through several over a a short period of time, it sounds like, and gosh, that must have been so hard. It was really hard, Um, and it's, you know, and and I was also... Um, when you think about what it's like to be uh, an empath, but you don't know what that is, um, it was an emotional roller coaster that was pretty isolating. Um, mm. And so it's something now that I love to really bring into light that an animal empath is even just a little um, weirder than the regular empath. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> so we're over here doing this really weird thing. And, um, but, you know, so it's like I really built a community around that. And my, my school is, is all, is all that, you know, it's, it's a safe space. It's, um, recognizing that there may be a, an emotional roller coaster and then taking that emotional roller coaster and moving it beyond into something that can be, our superpower versus our what takes us down. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Well, you've turned it into this amazing gift that you're now sharing with everybody and also training people to be able to yeah. do this, which is so great. And I'm, I am a strong supporter of, of what you're doing. Again, this one example I shared I mean, we have to be in touch with our pets, and we can't expect That's, that a vet is going to do it because they, a lot of them don't care. No. You know, I hate to say it, but that's true. You have well, to care. Well, I was thinking, yeah, from the very beginning of your story, it's like they always look for a UTI. They don't look for what, I mean, in many ways you've got an idiopathic cystitis, right? You've got a certain swelling in there that's going to be coming from, um, the the stones, the very unique and weird stones, but you're, the inflammation in there, they never look for that. They look for the infection, and it's not an infection. And that makes right. me nuts. There's so many times I'm like, ask for this different test. It's a urine test. It's not a blood test. Yeah. And, they, and I did all of because, those. It didn't matter. I can't because believe they, they kept... didn't see it. They didn't find it. It's I don't know why either. I went back over the labs, and now I do know that this, and this is important for everybody to know, urate stones do not show up on imaging because they're yeah. green. So you don't see them on an X-ray. And when you go to look even at an ultrasound, you don't see them on an ultrasound. You see sludge on an ultrasound, but you don't see the stones. So... Still, they should have put that together with the lack of appetite, the problem with food, which would have led them to the liver, but they never did. So anyways, but what you're teaching people is so valuable because 
people can then get in touch with their pets and hopefully help get to the bottom of anything that might be going on with them physically or and emotionally. Of course, it's all connected anyways. Yeah, definitely. It's all, yeah. And and I would ask just one little thing. Is Phoenix a worrier? You know, he's. we were just talking about him because uh, PK did his numbers with his name. And PK, tell tell everybody what you said about him. Well, he's ultra sensitive to begin with, and he feels everything. But he steps out of himself into another range. Uh, he doesn't trust many people, and he lets them know it in how he handles things. If you if you're upfront with him, he will act in in accordance. But he's in it. Uh, he has a true destiny, so he needs a lot of TLC, and he isn't quite sure, I think, sometimes how to go about getting it because because he is such a little cutie, he can be a little spoiled. Not that mother would spoil him or anything. <laughs> but in terms of worrying, but, I, I I don't know if I would yes. say it's worrying, but he's super, it's exactly what PK is saying. He is so sensitive. Very sensitive everything. He feels that that other people don't understand and that and he kind of acts like he can't figure out why aren't they catching on yeah but even he's a lot smarter than most people, people. yes he yeah is. Yes, he is. yeah yeah um, but all that yeah. i mean the the tlc and then turning that into next level stress uh next level safety <laughs> is uh, uh is what i've found with when I'm when I'm going to do a tapping script with somebody who's got an animal with a bladder thing is I go mm-hmm. into really releasing the worry or the stress or the who is that guy why is he in our house um, that sort of thing and then really mm-hmm. go into the I'm safe I'm safe I am loved mm. yeah. Well, that would be, you know, any script uh, like that, because I know I've worked with EFT in my own practice and for Mm -hmm. myself, friends, clients, and it's it's a very powerful transformative tool. But when you do something like this with a pet, are you following, because I was looking at your diagrams and things, and it looks like you follow a different kind of pattern. Now, what we are, PK and I are used to is the one that goes, you know, around the eye and then underneath the nose and the chin and all of that. How do you decide what pattern you're going to use when you work with, a, with well, an animal? It's the exact same pattern. Oh, it is? If you okay. look at it, is. Yeah. You know. Because I, I had, before I learned EFT in the 90s, um, I learned acupressure. And so I'm very familiar with acupressure points. And so it's bladder one, which is on the inside of the eyebrow. It's uh, triple heater 23, which is on the outside of the eyebrow. It's stomach one, which is underneath the eye. And then instead of under the nose, like for us, it's on top of the nose and it's still a governing vessel um, point. And then under the chin uh, or under the lip, I go a little under the chin. It's a very similar point as to our under the lip point, I do, I can go between the kidney 27, 
or lung one. Sometimes I go out a little bit because if it's a grief issue, then I want to hit that lung one. And then I go to the top of the head. I skip the spleen point because if you're dealing with, like I did, I went to um, Michigan last week and worked at the Little Traverse Bay Humane Society for a week where in the morning I would work with the staff and the volunteers and then in the afternoon we'd go tap on animals with very specific scripts I created for the shelters. And um, I don't do the spleen point because if, I, if I'm working with an animal I don't know or I've got somebody who's reactive, I'm not going to reach my arm around and surprise them. And so I um, took that okay. out. Um, and so then you're just going back up to the top of the head, which is your governing vessel points and your bladder points. So they're all the same. Ah, so interesting. So when you do, do you actually visually see a change in them when you do these these tapping movements? And and also, are you saying out loud the same kinds of things that we would say for humans? Absolutely. And when I'm tapping with a client, I have them repeat after me, so they're the echo. And, um, oh, okay. And they may be the one, like yesterday I did a, I've been doing a bunch of Facebook Lives around the book, and I had some rescue, a rescue come over and um, um, that I've been working with since the 90s. Um, and I, they, um, so that little dog, um, yeah, so I, I did this because I wanted people to see all these different things. So I had her, I I said the statement, and the one dog was very timid, so she tapped on the dog on her lap, and I just called out the points, you know. Inside mm-hmm. of the eye, I'm really scared. And she would tap on the inside of the eye and say, I'm really scared. And so we would do it from his complete perception and, you know, it's, you don't have to be an animal communicator. If you get my book, Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals, uh, and they're humans, um, I have lots of investigation questions in there. So you can kind of fill in the blanks, and there's your script um, for what you would be saying as you move through the points. So and then, I do believe it's best to say it out loud. It is. Okay. And what about, can you share some stories of transformation of working with uh, with animals with this technique and then something changed that was impressive? Yeah, you know, yesterday or last week when I was in that shelter, this is just recent, I was with, um, I've got a million, but okay, now they're all flooding into me. But I'm just going to tell this little story. <laughs> so okay. when we... When we think about animals and, you know, we love to have our complex emotions of like, oh, I regret this and I did that. And it's like we don't want to plug that into an animal script or, you know, if we just really stick with the basics and their basic needs, which is, you know, kind of seeking and care and lust and food and safety. So some of the dogs that I was dealing with in the in the shelter last week were so shut down they were fighting dogs in the dog fighting ring and so they were yeah just beyond shut down 
And then they're living in this circumstance where all you hear is barking. So their fight or flight is so up high. And I always say that, you know, when you're not in fight or flight and you watch your dog just, like, when you got your dog out of the hospital, probably one of the greatest reliefs to see was that your dog was, like, interested in sniffing and smelling. Like, that's like us waking up, taking a deep breath and um, looking around, Mm -hmm. maybe checking our email. Like, sniffing is almost the most important thing a dog could do in a day. And so Mm. um, we watched this dog that was so shut down, so just completely um, glued to the door and looking for someone to let him out, let me out, let me out, let me out, let me out. I did the tapping on him. I had one of the staff members actually do the tapping because she had worked with him. And um, at the end of it, he stood, he just kind of stared at me as if to say thank you. And then he stood in the center of the room with like 12 people around him and just kind of sniffed the air and then started sniffing around in the, um, in the room, which they'd never seen him do. Like he wasn't even a normal dog up until that moment. Mm-hmm. So that was profound to see with a group of people, you know? So he, he, he really just softened in there. Um, but I have a, so one of the teachers in my school is, uh, she recently, so she, her husband's, her mother-in-law died about, I think around October and she inherited the dog, and the the dog was a little um, Shih Tzu who lived in Beverly Hills up until this point, right? And she had mm-hmm. been with her person, Sheila, and her life was pretty great. And then about a year and a half ago, um, Sheila was diagnosed with cancer, and then Sheila, I guess it was about a year and eight months ago, and then Sheila was, you know, dead within the year. And so wow. this little Shih Tzu, who, when I did the animal communication part of it, you know, said she was the belle of the ball, that she would, you know, walk down the road in Beverly Hills, and everybody knew who she was, and she had outfits, and she's just <laughs> very shut down, <laughs> and Aww. a very different dog. And and also, she was having seizures. That's what brought the whole thing. So Claudia uh. brought her to me, and again, I did these on a Facebook Live. I did a lot of acupressure. So mm-hmm. I unhooked the neck, and I knew there had been an accident that had um, that she'd kind of face planted, and that had jammed her neck, and that's what was causing the um, seizures. But the vets, of course, are like, "Hey, there's ten thousand dollars worth of diagnostics we could do, and that's not that's even right. the cause, right?" And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know. I said to Claude, she's like, what should I do? I said, you do what you need to do. You do what you feel comfortable with, but, you know, just know that you have a lot of other tools. What would those be? And she just, you know, sat and said, I can do EFT. I can do scalar wave. I can communicate. And so, you know, it's like you got to get a hold of yourself when you're under those crazy lights at the vet hospital and there's no answer. So, yes. anyway, we, we grounded Claudia. She came here. We did the... Um, acupressure, got the neck unhooked, 
and then did a series of EFT. Um, I think we only did one where it was like, uh, I, uh, I was the belle of the ball. I was, you know, I had really cute outfits, you know, the whole, whole thing. I was so loved. My life was so charmed. And now I'm in a pack of animals and, you know, and sometimes it's hard for the person who's the, to hear it, right? So Claudia, yeah. you know, had to accept that even though it's she loves having all these dogs, this dog didn't love coming into this. Um, right. And we tapped on it, and now this dog is the bell of their house and is demanding <laughs> dinner and is is fine with the other dogs and engaging more with the other dogs. Like, one tapping, and this dog That's is powerful. back to herself, you know, just without her original person. Wow. Oh, yeah, because it's a big shift when a little dog, especially a Shih Tzu, because they're so human-like. Um, when they yeah. lose their human, it's like it's so devastating. But that's impressive that after just one tapping session, she was able to adjust in a whole new way. That's great. Oh, yeah. I get videos almost every day of the demand for dinner. As, as Claudia <laughs> says, she sings the song of her people. There must be a Shih Tzu song out there. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Maybe. Yes. Now, what what about some of, I've got to ask you this question, uh, what about some of these dogs that have been trained for fighting? They're usually pit bulls or pit bull mixes. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, is it possible to change their behavior? Because we've heard the stories. So of what happens yeah. when somebody tries to adopt a, a dog like that, and it can turn deadly. So what happens with this one, with this particular thing? Well, I mean, there were several we worked with. And so you have to look at, like, what is the, um, you know, obviously it's going to be a very special person that adopts this dog. Um, mm-hmm. So what is the household like? How are they setting the animal up for success? What sort of training are they doing? What sort of diet is this dog on? Because, you know, there's certain diets are going to, you know, in Chinese medicine you could say that, um there are and there are certain diets that are going to stimulate more, and there are certain diets that are going to tonify and calm down the system. Right. So, right. you know, if you, you know, so you would look at, like, I mean, diet, lifestyle, what sort of healing is going into this, what sort of, yeah, I mean, a lot of these dogs weren't, this dog was somebody who didn't, he did not fight back. Wow. So there's a lot of those dogs in there. And then there's some that are very reactive. And I wouldn't even call them aggressive. I would call them reactive. So if that reactivity could be trained into them, I really believe reactivity can be trained out of them. But you okay. have to be good at it. Mm, right. You have to have special skill. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And this is not yeah. the kind of dog to take lightly, for sure. Um, one of my friends actually uh, had a neighbor who had a rescue pit bull, and she had met this dog prior, but she went over to her neighbor and said, is it okay if I pet your dog? And he's like, yes, sure. So she reached over to pet the dog, and he almost bit her finger off. She had to have, like, oh five goodness. surgeries. 
Um, but it was a situation where, from what she described to me, this owner was not doing anything with his dog. It was just in the house all day. And so he wasn't being worked with, wasn't being trained. And so well, I don't know if he was... With, wasn't getting right. exercise, all the things, yeah. Right. And so he just got nasty and almost took her finger off, and it cost her a lot of time in a hospital and in surgery to try to uh, save her finger and all of that. But, again, that's some owners shouldn't have dogs like that, right, would you say? Well, I, this is what I really believe to my core is that we put kids through school up to twelve, grade 12, and then kids will elect to continue on with education. Why are we putting any animal in a home without some education? Yes. Good point. Yes. Good point. Yeah, it's so and easy for them know, to go down and pick up something for the pet store that looks really cute, and they get it home and they don't know what to do with it. Right. Right. And And the other piece of it is, and it's funny because the second chapter of my book is all about, the CFP book is all about the idea that we are not looking at it from their world view, right? We take it very personally. Oh, they're doing this to annoy me. Oh, don't they know how I saved them from this terrible situation? And that dog probably did, could have had a head injury, could have had no training, and didn't know why she was putting her hand down. Right. And so it's... Uh, it's that, I mean, a guy that doesn't know his dog, you know, that's on him. It's not the dog. Definitely. Right. It is on him. Yes. Yeah. So tell and us I, some more story. We have to, yeah, I just want to say one more thing. We have to really, really educate ourselves more on what motivates them and it's very different from what motivates us and i can you give us an example of that yeah yeah please give us an example of that um so i i was working on my second book about 10 years ago and my it was i was living in seattle at the time it was raining it was just one of these miserable days that i was like oh my God, I'm, I, I can't write this book because I'm going to go out of my skin because I'm not outside enough. And um, so my dogs were barking, it seemed, at everything. And my dog, who's 12 now, so I had two older dogs, who, uh, older than the dog that was about two years old at the time. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to teach that dog to just bark at nothing. And I would come in and I'd be like, stop it, you know, like, the usual thing we do when a dog is barking. Mm-hmm. And then it was just, I just so had it with it that I just thought, what would happen if I just sat and barked with them? And so <laughs> I got down on all fours and I sat and every time that they really went off on something, which I didn't know what it was, I couldn't see it. Um <laughs> I I would just start barking with them, and they'd look over at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and then we'd all be smiling because it was really fun. 
So people just don't understand how much fun barking is. And we get annoyed, we get bothered. And so what ended up happening as a result of that day is I'm always able now to go to the window. And I've got three dogs. I almost always have three dogs. I can go to the window and look out at the window and say, yeah, I'm not seeing it. Let's leave it. And they stop immediately. Or I say, oh, I see the off-leash dog. Thank you. Okay, we're going back to work now. And they Hmm. stop immediately. There's never an, uh, it never escalates. It never turns into anything. They just are letting me know that, you know, hey, somebody's walking their dog and that dog's not on a leash and it's coming close to the horses. Or, wait a minute, I don't know that dog. Who's that dog? You know, like all the things that we're not thinking of. We think that they're just... (laughs) You know, there's a million reasons to bark, a million reasons to bark. They're not doing it to annoy us. <laughs> so there is that you always have three dogs? Um, I love having um, the varied ages. Like I've got the older one, I've got the middle one, and I've got the younger one. And they really teach. Uh, Like, I don't have to do a lot of training because the two older dogs let the younger dog know this is how it goes. And so it creates, like, the most fun pack. Like, three mornings a week, tomorrow morning, about 6.30, I'll be out there hiking the hills. And we just, we have so much fun. And, um, And then we all hang out in the heat, you know, in the AC the rest of the day and... Um, yeah, and and they they learn very quickly that we love and respect the cats, um, and so that's that's kind of how that that went. Is there a good wow. numerological thing behind this? Interesting, interesting. Well, three, of course, deals with the creativity of it, and as you say, they teach each other. Couldn't ask for anything better than that. Yeah, yeah, and they and they. You know what else is interesting is um, when I had one dog, uh, she was, you know, she loved all the animal communications. She, if people brought, if clients brought their animals over, um, she was just so nosy, had to know everything that was going on, loved to teach animal (laughs) communication. You know, the whole, she got a lot of attention. But then when the next dog came along, who was very um, troubled, this was all in uh, like 2008 or 2007. She, you know, it took a lot of healing to get her. She was very feral. And so that dog, Olivia and I, really healed, helped this Isabella be very grounded. And so then it was those two that were, the, and the youngest one, who's now the oldest one, that we barked at the window. Anyway, <laughs> the, the funny thing is, is that they all passed the torch, like, when I have group events here, there's one that is the the baby, and no, the other two are never jealous because they had their time, and they watch huh. the other one be that. Yeah, it's really I can't. I mean, it's beautiful, right? It's like, oh yeah, I did that for a couple of years. I was the favorite. Now it's your turn. <laughs> Gosh, they share. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Wow. That's, you know, being part of a pack. Yes. You know. The pack mentality is so different than what we we think we know. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What about with horses? Tell us. Tell us some horse stories. Okay. Um, I have one of my favorites, and I think it's in the book, um, is this was a long time ago, probably around the same time I was working with the dog that was feral, that was mine. Um, I had a little healing center for a while, but I realized that it was really hard to have a healing center. But people brought me their horses, and they lived with me, and I would. this one horse was very, very lame. And so we took off the shoes. I changed the diet. I arranged for a chiropractor to come, you know, weekly and uh, a holistic vet. And then I did all the healing sessions in between. And so I would check with the woman who owned the horse periodically. Like we would take the horse to to the round pen and watch the horse trot. And, you know, we got the horse so much better, but there was just this point where it was like, oh, my God, we're almost there. But I'm not. We're not going over the edge where the horse, where we can say this horse is sound. She can, he can be ridden again. So anyway, we um, all of a sudden when I was walking back from the last time where I was like so frustrated that we weren't where I wanted to be, I just looked at the woman and I said, "Hey, what happens on the weekends when everybody else goes to the horse show?" What what do you and your horse do? And she's like, oh, we have the whole barn to ourselves. And uh, and then I, it just hit me that she loved this story. She they both did. They loved the story that the horse was lame and he couldn't go to the horse show, and she got a lot of attention for it at work. And then at the barn, everyone felt badly for her, so she was special. Um, you know, while everyone else was out winning everything, she was special and unique because, oh, this poor horse is lame. So we tapped on that with both her and the horse. And then uh, the next day I did the healing session that I did. And a couple of days later she came out and we lunged him. We worked with him out in an arena and he was completely sound. And I said, okay, in order to keep him sound, you have to promise yourself that it's just okay that you don't go to horse shows. Like it's okay. And Mm -hmm. so that you get to have the barn to yourself and you don't need to make this such a big story. And so, yeah, that's what they did. She quit the horse shows and she was able to ride her horse. He was sound and she got to have the life that she, she really felt pressure from the community that like we go to the horse shows. You know, and yeah, uh, and the horse felt it too. So it was really, was incredible. Amazing! What a healing! Yeah, that's tremendous. Gosh, yeah, because some horses, I mean, they they may be bred to race or show, but they may really don't want to, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's different. Everybody's, you know. I have a horse that uh, my thirty-six-year-old horse. She never liked being ridden. And and so she's just been a great companion. <laughs> she didn't. Ah. She didn't. No. Yeah. Whereas I've got two others that you know really enjoy it. Um, so mm-hmm. we enjoy the connection. 
but my my horse that doesn't like it, you know, we have a different connection, a very, a profound connection. Um, yeah. So when when you do um, animal communication with people who have horses that are supposed to be racehorses, but they don't want to do it, how do you address that? With the owner. Well, it's my, yeah, it's my job to tell them, right? Like, that's what, I actually had, this is funny, I was, um, I had, uh, I was living in Denver. I had been living with a husband, the only, I've only been married once, but, so I was living with my husband, and then we got separated, and I moved onto this teeny little farm, and he moved to Florida, and the reason I didn't move to Florida was because he said, I could only bring one horse, and I was like, okay, see you later. Anyway, six months later, I moved to Florida. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. I moved to Florida with two horses, and then we eventually got divorced about six years later. But anyway, so at that time, like, my, lifestyle, that was, <laughs> my lifestyle went down. I was like, ugh. So this woman had a hay farm, and she bred thoroughbreds. And so okay. I traded her that um, I traded her for the winter's worth of hay, uh, in exchange, I went and talked to all of her one-year-old babies, and they all told me whether they wanted to go to the track or not, and half of them did, and half of them didn't. And the only ones wow. that did, which is she really only sent the ones that said they wanted to do it, and they all did very well. Now, I don't love oh. horse racing, but I just think it's, it's, you know, it's that she put them in the job they wanted to do. Yeah. No, I don't love it either. It's but I I was curious because I know, yeah, mm-hmm. some of them really like to race and some of them just don't. So yeah, well that's so nice that she listened to you and you told yeah. her which of of the of the horses wanted to and which didn't. Yeah, so they're not forcing them to do something they don't really want to do. No, and it's funny because she was a lawyer, so she was like really a smarty pants, but she listened everything they said and did exactly what they wanted always that is great such respect you know this is the respect we all need to give our animals really yeah each other as well yes yeah yeah um but i'm getting a lot of texts here uh, because everybody wants to know how to get a hold of you uh, what if they wanted to do uh, the training with you in your university or have a reading with their pet? How do they find you? Uh, my website is joanranquet.com. So it's J-O-A-N-R-A-N-Q-U-E-T.com. And if they're interested in a reading, um, they can always write to assist at joanranquet.com. And if they're interested in the school, it's info at joanranquette.com. But at Assist, I mean, they field everything. So I have two people that kind of run that. They run the school and my, and my world. But uh, there's a woman who helps with enrollment, and she's the one that's at info at joanranquette.com. And she creates magical, mystical paths. She is, she's like a path. Mystic. She can really help somebody get into the school at the right place. You know, there's several starting points, and some people do it really slowly, and some people are like, "I'm in." Gosh, no, this is 
This is all wonderful. And, you know, like I said, our audience, they're all big animal lovers, and many of them have, have had pets and have them now. So I knew there would be a big interest in hearing what you had to say about all of this. And, and having a tool like EFT to use, and like you said, you have scripts in your book, and everybody, the name of the book, yeah. again, is the Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals and Their Humans, Creating an Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. And I know most of you out there know all about tapping and use it for yourself. So get this book mm-hmm. because it will help you to know exactly how to do this for your pet. And what a great gift. I mean, this is wonderful, Joan, that you've created this book, then people can follow this template when they're communicating. I'm going to use this with Phoenix for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, I, I literally have, because the thing that happens when we first start tapping with animals is we flip into our own voice or what we want. And if you just follow along with the investigative questions and, and look at it from their perspective as best you can, even if you're not an animal communicator, You'll be amazed. You're going to discover something that will probably shift you as well. Yes. Yes, exactly. Now, one other question. In terms of finding a good vet, any suggestions? Uh, you know, I think that everybody's at their wits' ends. And, and, and to be fair, what vets go through, I mean, I, I think there are big holes in their Education, like bedside manner, let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I also think that, you know, I find that a lot of people that have come to my school are in in this world because at one point they wanted to be a veterinarian and then they realized that they would have to dissect animals. Some mm-hmm. animals, they, they take animals from the shelter just to spay and neuter them and then euthanize them. And it's like, oh, my God, what veterinarians go through to become veterinarians is so brutal. It's not anything we do with people. And that's changing. But I think right now, in in their world, they're under fire as well, just because they're short-staffed. So I I think the best thing to do is to look at somebody who's compassionate, even under fire, I think the best thing, of course, is to find a holistic vet. And then I also think um, you want to find a vet that's going to listen to you because that's the biggest thing. It's like if they're, if they're a know-it-all or roll their eyes at, you know, I feel that this is going on or mm-hmm. my animal communicator told me this. Um, in fact, with cystitis, a friend of mine took her dog in and I said, don't say your animal communicator told you this. Just check for cystitis. And um, the dog also had crystals, and I, I said, check for cystitis first, and then they'll push the crystal thing. But this vet had been like, no, nope, we're just going to do a UTI. Oh, it came back negative. And finally, my friend looked at the vet and said, my animal communicator thinks that my dog has cystitis. And I'm like, I can't diagnose. I'll get put in jail. But anyway, she did that, and they and the vet rolled their eyes but thought, all right, this woman's got the money. I'll take it. Sure enough, she had to, the vet had to come back in and say, well, your animal communicator's right. Um, yeah. So, so you, want, you need def- somebody that's going to listen to you and not put up a fight. 
That's, that's a really, yeah. really good suggestion. And it's so important to advocate for your pet because it's, to me it's no different than advocating for a baby. You know, it's like baby can't yeah. tell you what's wrong, but you know something's wrong. And I always right. tell the story, and I believe it came from Lydia um, way back when, when this woman had a dog who was hit by a car, and they did surgery on the dog's leg, had to put a pin in, and then after that, the dog's leg just wasn't healing. So they contacted Lydia, and Lydia said, well, the dog's telling me that it's not the pin isn't in there correctly, and that's why it's not healing. So the woman took the dog back to the vet and said, I want you to operate again and do it right, you know, put the pin where it's supposed to be because it's not healing. She goes, he said, well, we should just amputate the leg. Oh, my. And, yeah, she said no. She said, no, you're going to operate and check to see if the pin is where it's supposed to be. And he said, well, it's your money. So he did the operation. And sure enough, the pin was in wrong. The leg never would have healed. So the dog told Lydia the truth. Lydia told the owner the truth, and the owner stood up to the vet and said, this is what you're going to do. And a lot of times that's what we all have to do on our pet's behalf, really. Yeah, we have to. Good grief. Yeah. So, anyways, this has been so great, Joan. What a beautiful book you've written. Again, the name of it is Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals and Their Humans, Creating a Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. This is going to be a great Christmas gift for a bunch of my friends. I think this is a a must-have book for all pet owners. So, you know, I'm so involved. Yeah. I got so involved with talking with you and PK tonight that I didn't even run the commercial because (laughs) this is such an important topic. And, Joan, you have been so delightful to speak with. You're so knowledgeable. And, oh, my goodness, this was really terrific. And just can't thank you enough for joining us. So, again, please, once more, give everybody how to contact you, that information. Okay, my website is joanranquette.com. Dot com j o a n r a n q u e t dot com excellent okay Joan well please stay in touch I know you're going to be writing more books and we'd love to have you back on the show I would love to come back you ladies are very fun and uh, PK I'm going to be working on what I didn't finish last year. So, there you go. That's great. (laughs) Excellent. And best of love to you and Phoenix. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. I'm going to be using your your templates here from the book. We're going to start working on these things. Okay, great. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. We will be back next week with another great show. We've got Jeff Harmon joining us. Be sure to tune in. And until then, everybody, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.